0: So we are kicking off this brand new series called We Church, Not Me Church. And if you couldn't tell already, we're going to be talking about the church. (laughs) I want to start off by uh, telling you a little secret about myself. And this is uh, probably not something that you would ever guess about me. Uh, This is kind of a real private thing. It's not something I'm ashamed of, but it's something I'm actually very proud of. So I'm going to share it with you. Are you ready? Here it is. I love the church. Okay, I misled you a little bit with the whole secret thing. But I I do. I love the church. I absolutely love the church. I love the church with a capital C. I love the church with a lowercase c. It's wonderful. I love this church. I love Siege Church. I love all the churches in our community. I'm all about it. You know, some of you may have heard me mention this before, talk about this before, of how fortunate and how blessed I was to grow up in a good, godly home. My mother grew up Methodist. My dad grew up Baptist. They got together while they were in college, and shortly after they were married, they were exposed to some teaching and some experience, the Holy Spirit baptism and spiritual gifts. And so I kind of grew up in this in my Christian tradition, was kind of a mix or a blend of the charismatic world and the evangelical world coming together. And I'm just so thankful for my spiritual heritage. It was a wonderful upbringing. And I just remember being at church all the time as a little kid. And even when I was six years old, my dad entered into full-time ministry. And so we went from being at the church a lot to being at the church all the time. But I never got tired of it. I I was never tired of it. I always enjoyed it. It was always a great experience for me. I can maybe remember two times, maybe in my entire time of my childhood and adolescence, where I woke up going, man, I really don't want to go to church. But you know what? I didn't even argue with my parents about it. I didn't even try to argue with them about it because I knew it just wasn't an option. This is what we do. We're believers and we go to church and this is part of the rhythm of our life. And so I, I love it. I embraced it. I mean, I would do anything. Just even growing up as a kid, I would do anything they asked me to do. I would do, I would try to do things, and they were like, well, maybe you can't do that, but you can do this. That's fine. That's great. Uh, there were so many things that I, that I did just growing up serving in the church. I remember uh, serving just like right out of elementary age, you know, getting involved in like, well, maybe in middle school. i I'd like, I want to help and do whatever I can. And they're like, well, can you like... Operate a puppet? Yeah, sure. You guys remember when puppets were a thing? (laughs) They're not really a thing anymore, I don't think. Austin, are they a thing? Anyway, Um, I would do puppets. I was in skits, dramas. I was in the choir. I learned how to play bass and guitar. Um, I learned how to, you know, operate cameras. I learned how to do sound. I mean, as a matter of fact, I think every bit of my tech and my musical skill has come from learning to serve the church. It, it, it was awesome. I loved it, and I still love it. And you might think I'm a little bit biased because I'm a pastor, but it, I don't love the church because I'm a pastor, and I'm not a pastor because I love the church. I love the church because Jesus loves the church, and I love Jesus, and the church is near and dear to his heart. I, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Christ, so I love the church. That's how it is. There's a tremendous amount of power and potential in the local church. Why is that? Because the church is the representation. It's the expression of Jesus on the earth today. And it's not just about you by yourself. You by yourself, you are not the church. Me by myself, I am not the church. Does the Holy Spirit live in you? Well, if you have surrendered your heart to Jesus, if you surrendered your life to Jesus, yes, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And he works and operates and moves through you. And he lives in me and he works and operates inside of me. But you by yourself, you are not the church. Me by myself, I am not the church. The church is not about me. It's not about you. But it's about we. It's about we. We, together, we are the church. And together, there's this exponential power that goes way beyond what any single believer can do by themselves. As amazing as church is, I think we could probably all agree that it's not a perfect place either. Church is not perfect. People in the church are not perfect. Not yet. We're going from glory to glory. That's what 1 Corinthians says. But we're not perfect yet. And even in our love for the church, sometimes we can miss it. Just a second ago, as I was talking about growing up in the church, I hope I left you with a positive impression. But that doesn't mean that I was never exposed to things that were, that were negative. There were things that I heard. There were things that I saw that were definitely not perfect. There were hard times. I saw hypocrisy. I saw ego and power trips. I saw people make devastating decisions. But what I also saw was that this church had the amazing ability to self-correct. And it wasn't because just of the people. It was because God would raise up leaders and he would raise up people to get the church back on track. Why is that? Because Jesus said that it's not you and I that are building the church. It's that he's building the church. He's using us to build it, but it's he is the one that is building it. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus' disciple Simon Simon, son of Jonah, has this revelation. He gets this download from the Father. And Jesus says to him, Hey, he says to the disciples, Who do people say that I am? You know, we just looked at this passage a few weeks ago. And and Simon, son of Jonah, says, You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Yes, you are blessed. The Father has given you this revelation. And then Jesus says, In verse uh, 18 of, of Matthew 16, he says, I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overpower it. What's going on here? Simon tells, or Jesus tells Simon, you are now Peter. You are now Peter. The name Peter means stone. And so he's saying, Jesus is saying, Peter, you and everyone like you that has had this revelation that I'm the Christ, that I'm the Messiah, I'm the son of the living God, you are stones in which I'm using to build my church. He, Jesus is the chief cornerstone is what Paul says. And then we are the living stones. And he says, Peter, you and the people like you that have this revelation, I'm using you to build my church. And guess what, Peter? Guess what? All the authority of the enemy, all the power of hell, will not be able to overcome my church. Man, y'all need to be way more excited about that. <laughs> Is the church perfect? No. No. But Jesus hasn't abandoned it, and neither should we. Because when the church is firing on all cylinders, when it is doing what it's supposed to do, there's nothing like it. Life change can happen. The difference that can be made, the impact that can be had, it's amazing. So if you can't tell by now, I'm a little passionate about the church. I'm a little passionate, and my prayer for all of us through this series is that at the end of the series, that we would all have a passion stirred up in our hearts for Jesus and his church. I think that if we would realize what all this means, and that we are the church, that we could make an incredible impact in Middle Tennessee.
1: And I'm not just talking
0: about Siege Church, I'm talking about all the churches here. But you know what? I don't have a responsibility to oversee the other churches here in the city. I love them. I want to link arms with the other life-giving churches in this city to do things, to make an impact in the middle of Tennessee, in middle Tennessee but I don't have authority over them. But what I do have responsibility for is, is Siege Church. What you have responsibility for is Siege Church because we are the church. And so what are we going to do? What kind of impact are we going to make in Middle Tennessee for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God, bringing heaven to earth here in Middle Tennessee? All throughout the New Testament, the, the Paul, Paul writes to the early church, and he refers to the church as the body of Christ. Several different places, Paul make, mentions this, the church is the body of Christ. So this tells us something interesting About the way that we should view the church, the way that we should think about the church. And that the church, the body of Christ, it will never be all that it's meant to be if the body parts aren't doing what they're supposed to do. So that means if you are not doing what you're supposed to do, then the body is not functioning the way it's designed to function. So every single one of us needs to be involved. Every single one of us has a role to play. You're not just here to spectate, you're not just here to attend. You're not just here to sit in a row, but a body parts has all these unique a body has all these unique parts that work in a synergistic way. And it's amazing, it's an amazing thing when all the body parts are working together in harmony. I want you to imagine your own body right now. Just think about your own body. And think about if half of your body parts were not functioning the way they they should be. They weren't operating. Your own body. Maybe that would mean that you you were lame and you wouldn't be able to walk. Maybe it would mean that you you couldn't see or that you couldn't hear or that you couldn't talk. It could mean all kinds of things. But think about that for a second. This is what happens when many churches... And people in those churches think that church is a spectator sport. It's something that they go to, not something that they're part of. And then that church really never becomes what it was meant to be. That's why it's so important for you to find your fit. That's why we take time at our DNA uh, classes that we do to, to find out how did God craft you? How did he create you? And where do you fit in the body? And to widen this picture... To back up for a second and to get a better picture of this, of, you know, Paul's example of the body of Christ being, you know, that's the church. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not connected to the body, what happens to body parts that aren't connected to the body? They do die. They die. If you were to accidentally cut your finger off today, Don, you know what that's like already, so. (laughs) Don's missing a nub. Nub. Anyway, if you were to accidentally cut your finger off today, would your finger just go on living by itself? No, that would be kind of weird. That's like Adam's family kind of stuff, right? No. Unless it was reattached back to the body, right? Well, the same is true spiritually speaking. You get disconnected from the church. You get disconnected from the body of Christ. Guess what happens to you spiritually? You become lifeless. Unfortunately, we have people, we have well-meaning Christians in the world that think that they can disconnect Jesus from the body of Christ. And they say, well, I'm just going to do my own thing over here with Jesus apart from the church. I'm sorry. You cannot disconnect Jesus from the body of Christ. It's his body. And, And so if you are disconnected from the church, that means you're disconnected from Jesus. Listen, I'm not saying that the believers that are out there that are not uh, rooted in in a local church that they're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is how can any body part expect to fulfill its purpose when it's disconnected from the rest of the body? It's impossible. It can't be done. You got to be connected to the body. You've got to establish roots in the local church. And it doesn't have to be this church. I mean, I would love for it to be. But it could be any, any local church, any life-giving local church. But you've got to establish roots. Why? Because you don't get fruit until you first get roots. Why do you need to be rooted in a, in a life-giving local church? Why do we need to be connected to the body of Christ? Because the church provides some spiritual things that you need that you can't find any other any other way, that you can't find apart from the church. Listen, should you should your relationship with God be more than just outside of what happens here on a Sunday or a Wednesday prayer meeting? Absolutely it should be. I mean if all you ever did is eat twice a week, then you'd be anemic. You'd be weak. You'd be starving. You, you've got to have a relationship with God outside of coming to a worship service or to a prayer meeting. But but there's some things that you, that you can't get any other place except when we gather corporately. There's some fundamental things. And that's what we're going to be talking about through this series here. So I want to spend the rest of our time today talking about uh, one of these core, fundamental, foundational values that you get from being part of the local church. You need to be part of the local church family because a church helps you to know God better. A church helps you to know God better. You're like, wow, that's really basic, J.D. Yeah, it is. But this is the most foundational, you know, core thing. It's the most fundamental thing in our lives. The need to know God is so core. You guys have heard me quote this or use this quote a a thousand times. I'm sure some of you in the room can finish the quote. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God it is, you're whispering, the most important thing about us. Yes. <laughs> what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The foundation for any strong relationship is always built on how well you know that person. Right? I, I mean, that's not rocket science. It's the beginning. It's the building blocks for relationship. It's true for your relationship with your friends. It's true for your relationship with your significant other. It's true with your relationship with coworkers, And the same is true for your relationship with God. You've got to know one another well if you're going to build relationship. The Apostle Paul wrote a prayer to the church in Ephesus. And in this prayer, he reveals to us... This very basic need. Ephesians chapter 117 says, I keep asking that the Lord of our Jesus, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now notice what he's praying for, and notice what he's not praying for. The church in Ephesus was under some stress. They were under some pressure. They had physical needs, health needs. They had financial needs. They were under persecution because of their faith. They are facing a lot of different challenges. But notice that Paul didn't mention any of that in this prayer. Paul doesn't mention anything about their physical circumstances. Nothing about physical healing. Nothing about financial provision. Nothing about protection from persecution. Now, that's not to say that none of those things are important and that you shouldn't pray about those things. But what Paul is praying for is something even more fundamental, even something more foundational than those other things. He prays this, that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him. So that you may know God better. Why didn't he pray for their physical needs? Why didn't he pray for things that were physically material? Because at the end of the day, if you had all those needs met, if you had complete health in your body, which is a wonderful thing that Jesus provides for us, if you had, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of good numbers in front of the decimal point in your bank account, if you, had, if you, if you weren't being persecuted, all that's okay, that's all great and wonderful. But at the end of the day, if you don't know him better, then you don't have anything. All that other stuff doesn't amount to a hill of beans if you don't know him better at the end of the day. Listen, Jesus said this, John chapter 17, verse 3. He says, now this is eternal life. See, our, our and let me stop right here. Our deepest need is not physical. It's not external. Whether we are even aware of it or not, our deepest need is to know God. And this is what Jesus says here. This is what eternity is all about. This is what matters. This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Did you know that the reason Jesus came was not just to save you from your sins? That's, that, wasn't, that wasn't the end. Saving you from your sins was a means to the end. What's the end? To know God better. To know him better. The reason that he was born of a virgin. The reason he grew in wisdom and stature. The reason that he performed signs and wonders and miracles. The reason that he lived a sinless life and died a selfless death. The reason that he rose from the dead. And the reason that his Holy Spirit was poured out on all believers. Was not just to save you of your sins. But it was so you could know God better. You could be in relationship with him. The goal wasn't just to save sins. Save us from our sins. The goal... Was to be in relationship with God. That's what it's all about. And Jesus said that eternal life is about knowing God. This is what the church helps you do. A church helps you build your relationship with God. A church adds value to you. In your most fundamental foundational core need. So how does a church do that? Great question. Glad you asked. One of the ways the church helps you know God better practically is through worship. A church helps me see Him in worship. At the beginning of any relationship, when you start to get to know someone better, what happens? You get to see someone for who they really are. This month, Jamie and I We'll celebrate 19 years of marriage. It's awesome. Yeah, clap loud because it's a miracle. I'm not always the best person to be married to, so Laura has graced her. But you, any of you that have been married for any amount of time, you understand this, that your spouse knows you in a way that no one else knows you. They know you better than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I I can, you know, be in a relationship with you. I I can get to know you. We can even have a strong relationship. But there are still ways that I'm not going to know you. Like, and you're not going to know me like my wife knows me. Yeah, you, you can see certain things, but you might miss some of the subtleties that Jamie picks up on in my life. That's the beauty of being in an intimate relationship. And when we worship God together, it gives us a glimpse of who he is. It gives us a better picture of who he is. And when we worship God together and when we get those glimpses, when our vision of him expands, when we're in his presence, that's when we're changed. One of the things that we're going after here at Siege Church is that we are going to be a presence-driven church. We're gonna be a presence driven church. We're not just gonna sing songs. We're not just gonna read scriptures. We're not just gonna be in community, gr- in city groups. We're not just gonna serve our community just because that's what we're supposed to do. No, we're gonna do all those things because we're in bold pursuit of the presence of God. We place a high value on the presence of God here. Why? Because I don't have any power to change myself. I don't have any power to make an eternal difference in your life outside of the presence of God. Outside of the power of the Holy Spirit working in me and through me. I have no power. So I've got to have His presence. I need His presence. I want His presence. I desire His presence. I have to have His presence. Let me tell you, I don't want to do church if we don't have the presence of God. I'd rather just go for a walk. Seriously, we place a high value in the presence of God here. So church helps me to know God better by seeing him in worship. The next practical way that church helps you know God better is by helping us understand him through teaching. When people walk through those doors or wherever we end up meeting down the road, whenever they walk through the doors, we want to welcome people. No matter who they are, no matter what their background is, no matter where they come from, no matter how little or how much church experience that they have, none of that matters. We're welcoming them. And if you are here today and you have little to no church experience, I just want to welcome you and say, I'm so glad that you're here. Let's just, everybody, all the home folks, let's give anybody here that's a guest. We are so glad that you're here. And listen, you may not understand everything that's going on here. We get that. I understand that. What's going on here today is completely different than what was going on here last night at 11 o'clock when Tom Cruise was running around on the screen in Mission Impossible. It's di- This is different. This is different than anything else in your everyday life. And if you don't understand it all, it's okay. You don't have to be freaked out. You know, you don't have to to feel ashamed like everybody else seems to know what's going on but I don't listen don't worry you're not an outsider you don't need to feel like an outsider but what we want to do is come alongside you and walk with you and teach you and so you can understand here's what's going on my prayer is that all of us would feel like this church is home, like that, that you're part of it, that you're like, man, these, these are my people. This is my tribe. I'm kind of beginning to get this. I'm beginning to understand this. I understand a little bit more what that guy up there is talking about. Last week, if you were here, you remember that our worship leader started singing this line, Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. And it's from the song called You're Worthy of It All. Beautiful song. Credible line, but some people in the room w- might have been like, "What? What are we singing about? Incense arising? We singing about Febreze? I don't understand." <laughs> listen, no, we're not. We're not singing about air freshener. But listen, if you remember, I took a moment before we got into the message last week to explain. Hey, there are several scriptures that give us this picture that our prayers and that our praise are like a sweet-smelling fragrance to God, like incense. Why did I take that time to do that? Because we're trying to help people better understand Him through teaching. Last thing I want to talk about, last thing I want to mention, is that a church helps you become like Him in community. A church helps you become like Him in community. Now, the basic concept that underlines this truth is that, and I mentioned this earlier, kind of flew past it here, but I mentioned this earlier. A church is something that you're part of, not something that you go to. Oftentimes, I mean, we do say things like, welcome to church. And so we, this kind of stuff is in our language sometimes. And so it kind of has this connotation of, well, this is it, you're here. Well, you're here because the rest of us are here. It's not because we're, we've rented this space and this is now we're turning a movie theater into a church. No, the church is you and me and we just so happen to be here. Listen, many way too many of us have this paradigm flipped upside down. We think that church is something that we go to and it's not something that we're part of but the church is people that's exactly what the word means it has nothing to do with an address it has nothing to do with a piece of property it has nothing to do with brick and mortar a church is a group of believers who are in community together with Jesus at the center and they're doing life together and they're making a difference in their community that's the church and it's powerful it's community it's family Jesus is at the center you want to know what a church looks like? let's start looking around the room Because it's you You're the church A church helps you become like God By being part of a community How? Because I don't know everything there is to know about God And you may be having some revelation You may be walking in some truth That I don't yet And so I need to be around other people who love Jesus and serve Jesus and are boldly pursuing him so that I can find out more aspects of of God that I want in part part of my life. Listen, you start hanging out with a community, any community, you start taking on the attributes of that community. That's why it's important to be part of the church. It helps us become more like him. That's why we're we're launching city groups. The the reason that some of us have really narrow views of of God is because we're not hanging out with other believers. When you're in community, your view, when you're in community with believers, your view of God expands. City groups. You need to get into a city group. Why? Because it will change you. You'll find yourself becoming more like Jesus when you hang out with people who love and serve Jesus. Some of the life change that you want to see in your own life, it's not going to happen sitting in rows. This is a wonderful gathering. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite times of the week. But there are some things that are not going to happen when you're just sitting shoulder to shoulder. You're going to have to sit face to face. You're going to have to sit in a circle, not just rows. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. We're going to wrap it up with this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Listen, if you know this passage, you know that we cannot talk about the church without going to Hebrews chapter 10. Here we go. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. What's the writer saying? All right, don't let go of this. Do not let go of this. This is primary Hold on, don't, don't be distracted, don't look to the left or to the right. Hang on to it with everything that you've got, the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How does this happen? When we get into community with each other. Some of us are in the position where no one can spur us on to love and good deeds. Because like I said, we're only sitting shoulder to shoulder. We're not sitting face to face. Some of you are like, well, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to find a group that that meets at the time that that fits my schedule. Perfect. That's great. You get to start your own group now. (laughs) Yeah. You get to find the other people who doesn't fit with their schedule. I promise you, it's not that hard. It's not difficult. It goes on to say this let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Some of you are like elbowing someone that hadn't been here in a while. Don't do that. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more! all the more we're like well man i just can't say, i've just got so many things going on we just got so many you know extras my kids are involved in so many things we just can't make it man the hebrew says as the day is approaching that those other things are not as important so all the more you need to be meeting with believers all the more other word in other words when you get face to face with people that's something that you don't give up something that's special. God works in those situations. There's a growth. There's there's like accelerated growth in those situations. You're able to start finding freedom from things that you've been carrying for a long time. A church helps you to see him through worship. A church helps you understand him through teaching. And a church helps you become More like him in community. That's how a church helps you know God better. The reason that we can even know God in the first place is because of Jesus. Our sin separated humanity from God. But Jesus came and he bridged the gap. He did something that no one else could do. Jesus made it possible for us to be in relationship with God. And now we can be part of Jesus' church. Now we can be part of the family of God. We can make a difference. And I want to invite you right now, if you're not part of the family of God now, I want to invite you to pray with me, to pray to God, to make the declaration, God, I want to be, I want to be in the family of God. I want to be part of your church. Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. And as we pray together, we, as we pray this out loud, you believe it in your heart. You confess it out loud with your mouth. And Jesus promises that he will send his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you, and you will begin to change from the inside out. Why don't you just pray with me right now? Everyone just pray this. "Hey, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus to bring me in relationship with you. Lord Jesus, I give you my past. I give you my present. And I give you my future. Lord Jesus, I confess that you were raised from the dead. I surrender my life to you. You be in charge of my life. I'll follow you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come and live inside of me. And change me. And use me to make a difference. Amen? Let's just celebrate right now with everyone that just prayed that prayer. God, I just thank you right now that you're doing wonderful things in all of one of our, every one of our hearts. Jesus, we pray that you stir up a passion in our hearts. For you and for your church. I thank you, Jesus, that the church is something that's near and dear to your heart. So we just pray that you would ignite a passion on the inside of us that it would be something that's near and dear to our hearts. That's our prayer, God. That's our prayer. Would you stand with me?